Welcome to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. I'm Kate Oda. And I'm James Moore. And today we're going to be talking about The Alice Network by Kate Quinn. It's a historical fiction novel that was written in 2017. It takes place in France. And it was a part of Reese's Hello Sunshine Book Club, which is why we picked it. And I do want to say that there will be spoilers. So if you have not read the book... Stop listening now and rejoin us after you've read the book so you can hear the full discussion. So it follows two separate timelines. One is Eve, and she is in World War I. And then we have Charlie on the other end. She is in the aftermath of World War II. So let's dive in. What were your overall thoughts? Uh, I thought the two time points that were chosen were really cool. I've read a lot of historical fiction set during World War II, especially in Nazi Germany. Uh, so I thought the aftermath was cool because I haven't had never thought about how people had to pick up their lives and refind their loved ones after the war. And I also haven't gotten a lot of World War One before, so I really thought that was cool. I felt pretty much the same way in that there's a lot of books and movies out there about what happens right before and during World War Two. That to this day, I don't think I've read any book that concentrate on World War One and how the world was and that sort of thing. Considering the Me Too movement, I thought this was a pretty good book to have during that movement. I actually usually don't read historical fiction. I never enjoyed history. I hated history class. I hate war movies. So this was really out of my comfort zone. And it took me actually a really long time to get into it. But I think because it wasn't about the war itself... And like the fighting aspect of it, I did find it a lot more interesting than some of the other books I've read. I've read a lot of books about concentration camps and that like horrific side of things. And so I've tried to stay away from that now because it's just horribly depressing. But for historical fiction, I did actually enjoy this a lot more than I thought I would. I'm surprised you didn't like history class. It's full of stories. (laughs) Stories. I don't know why. I just, I've never, it's just never clicked in my brain. I've got enough comment right now to do another podcast on why you probably don't like history, but we don't have time for that right now. (laughs) (laughs) What's the... The five-sentence summary. <laughs> I think the summary is, is the, the school system that we have in this country really doesn't promote the story aspect of history. There you go. That's it. That's true. There are a lot of fun YouTube videos about history that I've gotten addicted to because I'm like, I've never heard of this. Tell me more. That's true. I think there probably are a lot of more creative ways to learn about history. And even through movies and books, it's a really great way. But yeah, I had a really horrible history teacher. I took AP US history and we just had to basically read the textbook, take a ton of notes. And it was not exciting at all. It was just memorizing dates and just never made sense. So if I make any errors about World War One versus World War Two, please forgive me because I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> we'll just Google it in front of you. <laughs> Perfect. So let's talk about the different characters. So we have the two different timelines. Eve is this kind of badass spy. And then we have Charlie, who's pretty well off. And she finds out that she's pregnant and she gets sent away by her parents. Like she's supposed to be going to get rid of her problem, her pregnancy problem. So they kind of 
connect at the very end. So their timelines are different, but then they kind of converge in, at the very end. So how did you feel about the two different timelines? Because I've seen some conflicting opinions on different reviews and different discussions about how people felt. I, I thought it was cool because World War One and World War Two were so similarly related. So I thought it was a cool parallel to follow two women who then were in these, these wars, slightly after these wars, and then converged uh, and had that that common background, like kind of like the wars had a common background. I, I enjoyed the book and the split timelines because it gave me a certain perspective in the story. Because basically you're talking about two stories of the underestimated woman hero, which is, you know, been told time and again. But the way they do it with the two timelines kind of show you across that whole span of time. We're talking about a war that was fought, you know, in the early 1900s going towards the end of, you know, the middle of that century, things really hadn't changed a whole lot for women. They they kept being underestimated as far as their abilities, what they can and cannot do, because the experience for Charlie and, and Eve in a lot of aspects were the same, even though we have decades of difference there. So I thought that was interesting. Any difficulties I had with the timeline was my own doing, because as I was going through the Eve part of it, I kept having to remind myself, okay, this is not World War II, this is World War One. This is the Kaiser, this is not Hitler. For me, not really knowing anything, I had a Google, I'm like, which war was this? I'm so bad. And so it made a lot more sense after I looked up what, what was actually going on. But I actually felt like I enjoyed Charlie's timeline a little bit more, which I know that that's kind of the opposite of what I had seen. A lot of people talked about how Charlie was kind of a brat and how she was not adding to the story. They're like, we want to hear the story about the spy. That's so cool. And then you get Charlie's. But I like that we do get to see the aftermath of Eve because she goes through a lot of development. Like when you first meet her, she's she wants to be a part of the war, but doesn't know how. And then she gets this opportunity and she's still kind of shy, but then you also see her fake persona where she's supposed to be really subdued and shy. So you don't really get to see how much of a badass she is, really, except for in like what you know about what she's doing, but in what she's doing outwardly and how she's interacting with people, it seems like she's really shy. But then you see on the opposite end from Charlie's perspective how Eve has evolved and how the PTSD has really impacted her over the years. And I think that... That is really cool, and that's something that I don't think people talked about it back then. Like it didn't, it definitely didn't have that definition of being PTSD. People just struggled, and they talked about how you either drink yourself to death or you basically commit suicide. And, and so I wanted to talk about that captain. Were you surprised that he ended up committing suicide at the, at the end? No, because a lot of the characters did, uh, like Charlie's brother. And so I was I was not at all surprised. I was like, oh, he's probably dead. And then he was. I was like, yep. <laughs> it might have I could have believed if he had been part of World War Two as well maybe as like more of a leader and then killed himself I would have believed it either way um, but I mean the military still has a problem with suicide as far as it being addressed the, the ball has been dropped but that problem has just been given a different name throughout time World War One is shell shock mm-hmm. World War Two battle fatigue battle fatigue goes through I think the Korean War is 
pretty much just lately we got the proper name for it now. But um, it's just, you know, part of that aftermath story you was basically pointing to as far as, you know, never thought of, you know, what things are like for people after the war in this book. They're showing what things are like in after World War II. It's kind of a um, like a roadmap of what people internally are dealing with after they deal with the war, you know, no matter what war you go through. Something you, Amber, said just reminded me that Charlie, people were kind of saying online that she was a little naive or a little bit bratty, but I think she represents what would have happened to Eve if she had never gone into the war at all. Sort of sheltered, a little bit protected from what was going on in the war, just like... Charlie was in America, like, yeah, she felt the food stamps or whatever was happening, um, and her brother died, but she wasn't ducking and covering, basically. And so I think that was a cool parallel, too, of, like, how Eve ended up is because she chose this path, and Charlie took a different path that maybe was open to Eve at the time, and then we see how they ended up. Yeah, that's a really interesting comparison. With the spy stuff, some people commented that they felt like it wasn't what they expected from a spy because we're, we're trained to think of spies in terms of, you know, James Bond. You get these fancy gadgets and you're doing all these cool missions. But really what Eve was doing was, even though it was dangerous, the day-to-day stuff, she was just playing a role and she was just getting the information and then sharing it when she could. But really there's probably a long story of time where nothing was really happening so is that surprising i mean you you write about spies so you probably already kind of had an idea yeah i i was not that surprised but i've been to the spy museum in dc it's so cool have you guys been to that no it had a whole section just about female spies and how a lot of history women were just kind of ignored we were just like you know in the room as a a decoration, no better than a painting. Of course, women were perfect spies. (laughs) We could hear anything and no one thought that women were paying attention or putting two and two together. So I thought thought it was a really cool use of spies to look at the, the female perspective. And yeah, she's not shooting guns out of her car, but she's she's getting the information and that's what matters. Do you think that she did make an impact? I mean, she ended up winning the award at the end, but really most of the information that she passed along didn't end up resulting in anything major like she thought it would. So was what she did worth everything she went through? Well, that's a really good question because when you say everything she went through, we know that she went through a lot. But as far as her job and her day-to-day, there are points in the book that that point out that the Germans weren't able to keep, you know, an, an aircraft base open for too long before it got bombed. That was because of Eve and the network that, you know, her, well, actually, Lily led that network. And if you're looking for the badass spy, she was the badass spy. Definitely. And not because she can kill a man with a paperclip or anything like that, but she was so keyed into the psyche, knowing how to be anonymous or overlooked. And that makes this historically accurate because the real spies, men and women really, that did the biggest contributions were the ones that people overlooked all the time because they had the freedom to be able to pass information back and forth. Fun fact about spies. Um, a spy used to live next to my parents. He was he was an uh, industrial spy, not an international. Well, it was an international industry. Whatever. He was caught and found guilty, so I'm allowed to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was for genetically altered rice from this like you know facility that was doing that in Kansas. He was found out, he was growing it in his basement illegally. He tried to ship a bunch of it out with some people and it was just like the most boring version of espionage. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it makes you think like how often is stuff like that happening like the most boring espionage and it makes just a tiny bit of difference but that could snowball into something bigger right you don't know if it's going to be worth it or not until the end and then you have hindsight and if they're doing it correctly no one else will ever know that they did it exactly (laughs) i think that if you complain about not getting your spy you know thrill on in this book you're shopping for a different can of beans okay Mm -hmm. if you want that spy book you want something that's unrealistic things that are never going to happen basically james bond but if you want to know about what it was like for a real spy day to day, then you know this book covers that aspect as far as what those women had to go through in World War One. Yeah, because they never knew when they were going to get the gold nugget that would end the war right there. Exactly. So in the moment, I think that it was totally worth it. But at the end, I mean, it was, it's still probably worth it just in case they could have saved any any lives. I mean, one life was worth it. You know. Right. Well, let's talk about the things that she went through. So she had to basically become Renee's lover and do whatever it was that he wanted her to do. And then at the end, she got every single one of her knuckles broken brutally. So do you think that what she went through, I mean, it seems like she went through kind of a coping process of herself deciding if that was was worth it. But there is that stigma she talked about. Like, if you sleep with somebody when you're a spy and you're a woman, you're using what you have to get the information, but they really don't want you to do that. So I was kind of surprised. I, I kind of thought that there would be a, well, get the information in any means necessary kind of idea. No, you, you wouldn't have that with gentlemen of the time. Because even though it seemed like they respected the women for what they did and the fact that they were doing sacrificing for their country, there was still a stigma of, okay, women are like this. They're easily swayed. They're, they're gonna, their emotions are going to sway them in what they do. So if they sleep with this guy, you know, all of a sudden they're, uh, they're not an asset anymore. That's, that was the thought process that was implied in the book. So I think that addressing that was important in the book. And I think that Eve, if we're going back to the is it worth it thing, I don't think, I think part of the story, the reason why we're on this story arc is so that we can watch it become worth it for Eve, because I think it became worth it when she, you know, tracked that guy down and basically got to watch him die, (laughs) you know, in, in his place. That I'm sure was satisfaction. And I'm not usually in the, on the revenge kick, but I was like rooting for her. That is a very long time for her to hold on to that revenge. And I'm glad that she finally did get closure and could move on. But I didn't feel like that part of it was believable for me. I get that it's easier to get away with crimes in that time. But the fact that she was able to find him, was able to get him alone, was able to do all these things, and that it came full circle with that statue, which was (laughs) super badass. I love that it did that. But everything else felt a little bit more believable than that particular scene for me. Yeah. Because it was too perfect. But I wanted that scene to be perfect so bad. I was sitting there, like, curled up in a tense little ball, being like, yes, yes, get the statue off the shelf. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of a perfect storm. I give you that. A lot of things had to come into place. But like you, I'm, I'm so happy it did. You know, and the fact that basically Eve was, she was willing to be caught. You know, she was okay with that part of it. Since we don't have CSI and that sort of thing, then, you know, she was able to get away with it. And it's kind of realistic that once 
you know, that guy's dead. There's not going to be a real effort to try and find out who the murderer is. <laughs> oh, that guy died. Well, that's too bad. We're going to split up his stuff now. I'm sure was the attitude. There was kind of like a reoccurring theme of like how different it is for people to get away with things and to change their identity. I mean, with technology, the way that it is, do you think that spies could operate in this way or would it be too easy for their real identities to be found out? They would be able to like cross the borders in that same kind of way. Or is it really, it's just gotten more complex, but it's still just as possible. I think it's just as possible. Uh, I mean, I already brought up the the recent espionage that was going on. Uh, I mean, he didn't even need a fake identity. He just got a job and snuck stuff out. I'm sure for, like, state secrets and things, you could do something similar. Get a job at the embassy and just sneak things out. So I bet it's not as easy as it used to be, especially with, like, face recognition stuff going on in some countries. But I'm sure it's happening. Yeah, I would think that the difficulty depends on the level of spying. Because if you're getting certain information, I think it would be actually easier with the technology that we have now. If you have the connections, you can get you can get other identities more easily now than you can than you could before in World War One and Two. You can basically, with enough money, buy a new life and a new identity to be able to get you that job working as the busboy in some restaurant near. Washington or or working as a janitor in one of the buildings and be able to take advantage of that because the weak spot from the dawn of time in all kinds of security is the human being and human beings can be manipulated. So for me, I didn't really get hooked into the story until about part three. I kind of had to force myself to read it. And the turning point for me was actually with Charlie where she had that scene with her mom and her mom comes to find her and she decides to not go with her mom and she decides to go with Eve so that she could give her story an ending. And I thought that that was the most powerful and that's when I felt like everything started to shift and Charlie was already starting to take control of her life but she was also just on that mission to find her cousin and I felt like that was a point where she was starting to like really make bigger decisions and I thought that all the characters started to become a lot more complex at that part too. Were you guys instantly sucked into the story? I was I was pretty close to the beginning sucked in uh when she left her mom at that hotel in England and went to go find Eve without knowing who Eve was. That's when I was like, her cousin was a spy. Her cousin was trained by Eve. Like, that's Alice. I like had all these crazy theories about what her cousin was and what she was doing. So I was in it right away. As far as the Charlie character, I love Charlie right off as a character. Her story, though, really didn't suck me in until that point that you talk about when she decided to just set her mom and that whole thing aside and say, I'm going with these guys on an adventure. That's when her adventure started. And I got interested in her story. Eve, I liked as a character and a story right off because she's this crazy old lady that lives in the house and has this past and these, you know, lobster-like hands. And um, you got to want to know what happens next with that. Mm -hmm. So in the first chapter, that is Eve's when you find out that she's that overlooked, you know, woman that is being recruited to do something that she thinks is important for the greater good. You know, you got to like that. I like that story and character right off. Did you guys at any point think that Finn was 
Eve's son. I, for the longest time, thought that she got pregnant with Captain Cameron's baby and Finn was their baby because she kept talking about they were both, what, Scottish? Mm -hmm. And they had the red hair. So I'm like, that's her son. And it didn't turn out to be that way. But that's what I was thinking. I was was actually hoping that wasn't going to be the case because that would have been too much. That would have been too much coincidence, perfect storm thing, like with the murder at the end, the way that fell together. If they had that too, it would have been a little bit too much for me. But I do like the fact that they, you know, did make Finn the character that he was and show that, you know, Eve obviously was attracted and, you know, he obviously reminded her of the captain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't like Captain Cameron. He- Why? He was not quite right to me. Like, he was a little too flirty. And when I found out he was married, I was like, oh, you're married. Don't you flirt with Eve. Walk away. Like, I was so mad. Really? You felt like... I didn't feel like he was flirting, really. I think I felt more like he really admired her and did kind of have this a little bit of a crush on her, but I never felt like he was flirting. I felt like he was always trying to not show his attraction. I don't know. I just, there was something about him that I was like, nope, next. (laughs) Well, they, they tried to give the captain an out by describing how life was with his wife because Mm -hmm. she was obviously described as a person that was not someone you want to be married to, that he was kind of trapped in this relationship. If he had a, a loving wife at home, he would not be nearly as charming a character. And I probably would be rooting for, oh, you know, against him saying that, you know, you're a bad person. But even so, I'm kind of on the fence about it because, like you say, he, he is married. And the best thing would be for him to end one relationship if he's going to do another. I agree that Eve kind of pushed herself on him a little bit. I mean, that's one of those tricky situations where it's it's all gray area. You know, he still ultimately cheated despite whatever issues he had. And she did kind of pressure him into it. But still, that kind of ties back into our first podcast. We were talking about an anonymous girl where she was trying to get the guys to cheat on their wives. And we talked about the ethics behind that. It's like, well, is it really the guy's fault if they're like really coerced into it? And I mean, ultimately, yeah, yeah, it's still, it's still, (laughs) they're still to blame. Yeah. I guess Captain Cameron is a weak character because of that. And because the double uh, reason of Eve basically did that partially to manipulate him and make him think that she, she's done with this. She's not going back. And he did basically, she did, basically pacify him with herself and said, you know, I'm going. But the worst part about all of that is that she left him. She went to go back to Renee. And then that's when he found out everything and broke all of her knuckles. If she had listened to Captain Cameron and stayed there and not gone back, because there was no purpose for her to go back. Like we can talk about like how all the little things she did ultimately like the butterfly effect but her going back there did nothing for the spies or the network or anything except destroy her herself basically yeah because the the piece of information they were trying to get out the day that they were caught and then the knuckles later that night that piece of information never i don't think ever made it or if it did make it they didn't believe her or something like that they they ignored it yeah they ignored it which is rude if you have a spy you listen to them (laughs) so what did you guys think about finn so we started talking about him as a character so him and captain cameron were similar in some ways but i liked 
Finn a whole lot more. I felt like Finn was a lot more complex. I felt like he he was probably my favorite character, honestly. And the part that really made me start thinking that was when Charlie was trying to sleep with him and she called herself a tramp. And she's like, because he's like, you need a reason for wanting to have sex with me. And she's just like, well, I'm a tramp. And that's what tramps do. And one that broke my heart for Charlie. And two, the fact that he was so insistent on, no, we're not doing this, was very powerful. Well, I, I really like the fact that when, when she started proposition, when Charlie started propositioning herself to Finn, I, I said, oh, please don't let this happen. Because it would just be so cheap. And it did strengthen Finn as a character to deny that. But they did hook up later on, and I was happy about it because they both did it on good terms. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what we wanted for for Charlie for something to happen on good terms. Because even you know when she describes her situation as far as the circumstances under which she got pregnant, she she wasn't really liking herself much, and she's we see her grow as a character and be able to earn not earn but really deserve her relationship like the one she's going to have with Finn. So I I enjoyed that part of it that they went through that transition and that Finn was. Very different from Captain Cameron, I think. And being able to recognize and read people well, which I'm sure is a plus in the job of taking care of Eve. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think he definitely... He wasn't saying, no, we're never doing this. He was just saying, no, there's a better time when we're like more ourselves. I can't remember if they'd been drinking or not. Well, and they hadn't really known each other. That was only like a few days into the trip. And she's just like, I'm alone with a guy. And this is what I do when I'm alone with a guy because this is... The reputation that I have, therefore, I should, I might as well. I'm just going to continue. I don't even think that she really had feelings for him at that point. I mean, maybe it was like that initial chemistry, but she was just like, "This is, this is just what I do. This is how I cope. This is my coping strategy for my the pain of losing my brother and not being able to help him." Which leads me to, do you think that she was trying to fill the void of her brother with? Finn because that's the only part about their relationship that kind of bothered me was that he was struggling after the war and she felt like she could save him whereas she couldn't save her brother. I don't know if saving him was on the table because I don't think Finn was suicidal. I mean, he was aggressive and getting into fights with people, but I, I don't know if saving would be the right term that I would use for what happened? Like maybe she opened his eyes and and made him realize that that wasn't how he had to cope with it. I don't know. I I didn't quite see the parallel between him and and her brother as much. Well, I I kind of saw the relation, and I think that her experience with her brother, Charlie's experience with her brother, gave her an insight into Finn that was necessary for them to really have a relationship. But I don't think, I mean, I wasn't fooled into thinking, and I don't think her as a character was thinking, I have to save Finn. I don't think she was thinking that. Help me with the timeline. I think that it was after Finn had this real knockdown drag out and was in the car afterwards that they got together on a real level. It was after that. Am I right? Yeah, it was right afterwards. So it was a super like steamy scene because they're all like worked up about it. (laughs) Exactly. In more than one way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Titanic, (laughs) steamy car, hand on the window. Yeah. Yeah, so because of that and the timing of it, we knew that they were getting together, like we said before, on 
terms that mean something, that their relationship had a chance because she's seeing him at his most vulnerable when he's lost his cool. And she has the understanding to be able to help him with that, knowing what she did with her brother. But I really don't think that she was in the saving mood. She was like, oh, I can really connect with you and understand you. So do you think that their happy ending was realistic? Because, you know, she's in this predicament. She's pregnant. So either she could abort or she could have the baby. But really, if she's having the baby, the only respectable way, according to her family, was if she had a husband and then she just happens to meet somebody and he happens to accept that she's pregnant and wants wants a child. And do you think that that was too perfect of an ending or are we just gonna be happy with the happy ending? I feel like in the time period, it wouldn't have been as perfect and and strange, I guess, as we think of it now. Because nowadays we're like, yeah, single moms, that's fine. A guy getting married to her because he feels like she needs a husband is weird. But in the 40s, it it was the opposite. So I, I don't think it was that weird. I'm okay with it. I wouldn't put the label weird on it. I think it was a little unrealistic, but it was unrealistic happiness. And I needed that after the lobster hand scene <laughs> with Eve. You know, Something happy really has to happen in That's this true. thing. So I, I was cool with it. I Yeah, I loved the happy ending. I think part of why I enjoyed Charlie's story so much is one because it didn't feel like as much of historical fiction as Eve's story even though I grew to love that story um but the ending where it all tied everything up with a nice pretty bow it made me cry and it was beautiful (laughs) my sappy heart loved it even though I'm like I don't know how realistic this is but yeah I'm not going to complain about it so what did you think of the fact that Charlie had to basically make up a husband to get some of these things done that she needed to get done. We, I think that was very telling. Yeah. I mean, time period, real, but like so frustrating that it happened so recently that mm-hmm. like she couldn't even access the own her own money that she had earned and put in the bank herself without daddy's permission or husband's permission if there had been one. I was sitting there like clawing at my face like ah! Ah, like so mad about it because if I think about it like my grandmothers would have had to go through that I gotta admit that when she talked about having the ring and using that line I was like that's genius why did not think of that because I thought that she was going to be stuck forever when she couldn't get her own money out of the bank she could prove she was her she had earned this money it was we're not even talking about the money that was given to her we're talking about the money she had earned herself That kind of pissed me off, too. Women have been having to do this for hundreds of years. They have to work a system or circumvent something to be able to get what they deserve. And it is amazing that being a widow is like this respectable title. Like, okay, now that your husband is dead, now you can have the independence and freedom that you should have had all along, but you just had to go through this horrible, like, life event. Now now, now you're a person. Now you can do all these yeah. things. It's like with the ring and the dead husband, you get to put on the mantle of human being. You know, yeah. you're not anything up until then, or half a person up until then. But once you put the ring on, you have the story of a dead husband, a dead war hero. Mm-hmm. Well, then now you're a human being. Yeah. I'm, and I mean, I'm sure the aftermath of both of the wars was a great opportunity for women to be like, yes, of course I had a husband who died in the war. No, the paperwork hasn't come through yet. The government, it's a mess. Oh, what can you do? 
Give me my money. <laughs> I wonder how often that has happened. I'm that definitely more than once. <laughs> For sure. I loved how she, in her own thoughts, so we're in first person perspective, she's like talking about like, oh, he didn't like cats. Like she starts making up this whole backstory, which was genius. And it led me to think about, do you think she could have been successful as a spy? Because that's ultimately what she was doing. She was making up her own new identity and a fake person. Like she had a whole backstory plan. Do you think that if she was in Eve's place, she could have done what Eve did. Yeah, I, I think that was definitely part of showing us that she could have done it. And goes back to my theory that she and Eve are so similar. They started at similar points and just went in slightly different directions and could have been in the place of the other one. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I enjoyed that we did not get a ton of time in the the prison because I feel like there are a lot of books that spend a lot of time in those different prisons and it's just awful to read about. I know it probably would have been awful. It definitely would have been awful to go through, but we had so many other things going on that I don't think I could have handled like any more than what we got of, of that part. But what did you think about the whole thing with Lily and Violet like getting caught and then what they went through and that whole process and their sentence? At first, I was very skeptical about how their sentence was turned from execution to prison. I was like, what ex machina madness is this? Like, what are you doing? Uh, But when we got to the author's note part about how like that was real, they basically were just like, Please don't kill us. And they were like, okay, truth is stranger than fiction. (laughs) Well, I I think the explanation of the fact that they did execute one female spy, okay, and the backlash from that is what presented that happening, prevented that from happening again. I, I didn't buy the whole package. I didn't buy the car with the undercarriage treatment and the white wall tires and all that, buy the whole package. But I can... I can see how it made it more believable that, you know, you've caught these spies and you're not killing them because of this backlash that you're going to get. What did you think about the fact that we had Charlie's story was in first person, but Eve's was in third person? Do you feel like you got more of an insight into Charlie because you were in her head or do you still feel like you got everything from Eve? I I didn't notice a huge difference actually because it was such a close third person and an anonymous girl kind of did the same thing with first and then sort of a second slash third. So this didn't throw me off very much and I felt like we were sort of in the same depth of in their brains at the same time. So it it just felt like slightly different choices to remind us of which timeline we were in. Well, at this time, I'd like to personally thank the author for not putting them both in the first person or third person. Because I think that would have confused me at going from chapter to chapter. Because I was like, am I in the Eve chapter or the Charlie? Oh, okay. You know, I would have to figure that out. And I think, and this is me guessing what somebody else's motivation is in writing the book, having Charlie, her chapters in first person, made the story more hers, have more ownership of it. Because we're reading her story as opposed to with Eve, we're kind of in the, you know, sitting back looking at someone else's depiction of what's happening to another character. Gave us a little bit of distance. Like you said, it was close. Yeah. And and I'm glad it was distance a little bit because it, it got gruesome. 
it was gruesome. And I can't imagine that being in first person because then there would just be three red pages <laughs> in a row of what that person went through. So it didn't, I think it was actually a benefit that happened in those, you know, written that way. And I read it as, okay, we're in Charlie's perspective the whole time, but the stories converge in that scene where they're driving and they're like, okay, Eve, tell us the whole story. And so she's recounting it. So really the entire book is from Charlie's perspective, but we're just having the stories. So she's recounting the stories. That's kind of how I interpreted it in my brain as I was <laughs> once we got to that part of the story at least like you have a superior yes. brain <laughs> I thought maybe Eve's the choice might have been third person for Eve's section because Eve was also pretending to be Marguerite so it would have been a little bit tough to be in first person for her because sometimes she was like yes this is me and sometimes she's like no I'm being Marguerite right now and it would have been difficult to follow what was happening with her sort of mental lip flop yeah, it would have been some acrobatics yeah yeah, that's a good point, too. So let's talk about the different themes. So we've touched a little bit on the the PTSD, and we talked about the stigma around pregnancy. But I also thought that the idea of birth control at the time was really interesting, too, because they're like, oh, you just wash yourself off, and, <laughs> you know, we're good. And so it is a really interesting concept that we don't really even think about a lot now we kind of take for granted as as women that we have more uh options that it was not like oh you either take your chances you get pregnant or you get pregnant and then you try to find some way to end the pregnancy or you know that you didn't really have options back then and it was interesting how eve and charlie both made different choices based on what was going on in their life. I think that um, that part of the story really pointed out that from early on, it's all on you, girl. The girl, the woman is the one responsible. If you have a baby, it's, it's, yeah, that's your business. Basically, that was the, the whole attitude and everything. And I can't, I don't think I bookmarked it in the book, but I think at one point someone said something about soaking a sponge in vinegar and just sticking it up in there. Oh. As I'm thinking, okay, well, if a condom is 99% effective, that's probably like 70% effective. <laughs> or maybe that's 60. That's pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> Very high. Yeah, I mean, well, if you do it more than, if you do it 10 times, though, it's not very effective. You know, the things that women had to go through and, and deal with on that, even when you're not a spy, is, you know, it brought that, I think, into relief. And that whole scene with the whole, with the abortion thing that happened, that was not quite as bad as the Knuckles, but it was pretty mad. That was pretty, I mean, I knew she survived it, right? But I was still thinking, like, is, is she going to have terrible scarring? And then she had to, like, go to work either, like, the next day. Or the day after that, and I was like, and still oh. have sex with Renee. Yeah. I was like, honey, no. <laughs> Tap out. <laughs> and, and, and she could be quite possibly gave up more than expected because going through a procedure like that, that's just not clinical, that sort of thing. Well, what if she wanted to have kids later on? She might have, that might have been ruined for the rest of her life, you know? Yeah. But I don't know if she was really thinking about that. I think in her mind, she was a spy. She could not be pregnant and still be a spy. 
Right. So she didn't really care what the future... She, I mean, she basically was willing to die for her job, so I don't think she was thinking that far into the future. Yeah, I know she wasn't thinking that, but as a, a sympathetic reader, I was thinking that. I knew that it would probably come to her mind later on. Because you, you make a left turn in there, and you can mess stuff up. It was frustrating to think about how, you know, two decades after the end of this book, they finally had birth control over three decades. The 70s? The 60s? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they were so close, but so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just frustrating that their only options were never be touched by a man, or just, like, give in and raise your brood of children. Yeah, I mean, it was really just a matter of time. Like, if you were having sex at some point, most likely, unless you couldn't get pregnant, you would be pregnant because you were just playing a numbers game. And she had, at one point, had talked about how she considered telling Renee because, right, because he had more money that he could have paid for a better, better person, a better solution, less risky for her. But then he ended up saying something about, oh, maybe I do want children one day. So do you think he would have made her have this child? And how would that have impacted the rest of that storyline? I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that creepy Mr. McEvil would have wanted a minion and and would have enjoyed, you know, having her pregnant with his kid. I think that that would have just been it for him. You know, somebody that he could mold and twist into his own horrible image i think that he was just that creepy but do you think he actually liked liked eve well marguerite this character or like would he have wanted to get married to her because he liked her or would it have all just been out of well i want this child so i'm gonna have to marry you and then we're gonna have this like image let's be let's be clear on this i'm not talking about getting married and i'm sure he wouldn't be talking about getting married he's talking about her having this kid that's two different things especially in the mind of a guy like that he would have just made her have his child and probably made her give up that child and have him raise it the way he wants to have it raised. Handmaid's Tale. How would that work back then? Would would he basically have to kill her and that was the only way that he could get custody of the child? Well, here's what I'm thinking would happen. He did like her more than he realized because when she betrayed him and he found out, he was so... He took it so personally, and he was so mad and angry, like, more than just, you spied on my patrons, but, like, very deeply personally hurt by it. So I think he wouldn't have necessarily realized how much he cared about her, but I think he did. So I I don't think he would have had her murdered for the kid. I do think he would have liked having a little little ball of clay to, like, make in his own image. So I think he would have kept her around. Yeah, I think... Especially because at the time he thought that she was somebody he could dominate for the rest of her life. He was sophisticated. She didn't know anything. She was just a a stuttering, very, well, he knew that she was smarter than she let on, Mm -hmm. but not nearly as smart as him. And and she was so into him. That's what he's thinking in his mind. Yeah, I can keep my claws into her for the rest of her life. That's what he's thinking. I agree that. I think he liked her more than he let on, but I thought that he was so upset because he had been bamboozled that he thought that he was so much smarter than her, and that's why he was more upset, because he could not believe that he could possibly be fooled. That's true. He did have an ego the size of Europe. (laughs) 
So I think even if he didn't really like her, I think he still would have been just as personally attacked in his mind. I mean, I get that some people are murderers and some people are not, but I don't know how you could torture somebody in that way and not be able to kill somebody. I feel like that's kind of along the same the same path, you know. And I know they talked about later how he had developed like the the ability to kill people, but I don't understand why he didn't just kill Eve at that point. It it was a game of control again. He probably thought about it and was like, no, because then the game ends and she's free and I want her to continue to suffer for what she's done to me. So I'm going to keep her alive, but she's not going to be happy about it. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a, as gruesome as that was, that whole scene was, and man, she did a good job with gruesome and and lengthened it out. Mm. But I was like, man, how many knuckles does this woman have? And the description and all that, there still is a hard, thick black line between that and ending life. And it took him, you know, time to get into that mode himself. I think that there's a huge difference there between the, the torture and the murder. I also thought it was very interesting how he made her believe for so long that she was the one that gave up the network and the names and I, it broke my heart that for so long that, I feel like that was the real reason that she had so many problems. Like, I think she was strong enough that she could have gotten over the torture and all that, but really she just blamed herself for what she thought was giving up the names and he did that to her. And so I was glad that she ended up hearing the truth. And then I think that was really more so than the whole Renee getting killed part. Her knowing that it wasn't her fault gave her more closure. That That is one part that did really confuse me because I know she didn't really have a lot of experience with, with drugs and that sort of thing. But even as in the book, as I, as I was reading it, I'm thinking, this is not, you know, sodium pentothal. This is not a truth drug or whatever. Just makes you it makes you loopy and out of it. You know, even though he came up with, you know, names after she got out of it and everything, I would think her th- first thought was, you know, how did you get this? Because you didn't get it from me because I was just loopy and out of it. What did you think about that? I thought Violette had turned everybody in huh. and that she lashed out uh, at Eve when Eve confessed thinking that she'd done it. And Violette was like, this is my out. Let's all blame her. Yeah, scapegoat. Yeah, and so when it turned out to be someone else, I was like, oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, I felt like Violette never liked Eve anyway, so she just, like, I think she was kind of in love with Lily, so she felt like maybe not necessarily in a romantic kind of way, but she wanted to be her sidekick, and I think she felt like Eve was kind of weaseling her way into that spot, and I think she took that personally, Um, so I think that kind of impacted how willing she was, you know, to throw her under the bus in that way. It's true. She was like the jealous friend who doesn't want the friend to have other friends. Yeah. Yeah. You can only have me. That's it. (laughs) So we talked a little bit about the author's note at the end and how this is ultimately based on true women and a true network of people. But were you surprised by anything? You talked about how you were surprised by getting the sentence changed from an execution to just prison time. Was there anything else that surprised you that actually happened? For me, I was surprised by that one town they talked about that had just been demolished 
and, and that whole story that that had all happened and how kind of bizarre that is. Cause that kind of stuck out to me in the story as being kind of out of place. So the fact that that was something that actually happened kind of made it make more sense in my mind. Uh, I, I was surprised that the, the thing about the Kaiser's train possibly coming through and then, you know, didn't get bombed or whatever. I thought it was strange that that was true. But then when it revealed like, well, they didn't believe the female spies, I was like, oh, of course they didn't. <laughs> ungrateful bastard. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really surprised by anything that came to light as being based on true events or actually true because there was a lot I was giving over to truth stranger than fiction and I knew that this was a uh, historically a novel that they endeavored to be historically correct but um when I when I started hearing about the plot of you know killing the Kaiser and stuff like that I actually looked up the Kaiser and said how did he really die what happened and <laughs> turned out I mean he survived the whole war and all that stuff so I wasn't really taken by surprise by any of the historical aspects one kind of loose thread that I noticed was that they talked about how Eve had a role in World War Two, but it wasn't really clear what that was because it seemed like her hands were already destroyed and she had already started drinking. And so, what do you think she she did in World War Two? Unless I just missed that whole part. When it was first brought up, I thought she had become the new Lily and was running the network uh, on the continent. And which what fell into my theory of that Rose was the new Eve. Yeah, with her hands like that, I, I she would have been noticed pretty frequently and i i just i don't know maybe she was part of the efforts in england you know like the bomb squad watchers and you know close your curtains and whatever type of people what i gathered out of it was that she was it seemed at the end that they did appreciate her you know as far as what she did for her country and when that happens you know it's like you get the job forever you know, you you have some somehow you get taken care of, and I would suspect that she was given some kind of like clerking job where you don't have to type, but um, you're in charge of or you purvey some kind of information, and that's how she was able to have that information for Charlie. And I just kind of I kind of ran the story in my own head to make all that work and say, okay, let me get back to the book and just let that go. But I'm sure that they could have done a little bit better job of making that clear exactly what she was doing and how Charlie got her name and why she would even be looking for her name, that sort of thing. I mean, I guess there was some mention of she'd gotten Eve's name because Eve was helping find missing people or something. Something like that. Had looked into stuff. So maybe she was helping in that sense of finding people that needed to be found during the war. Maybe she found people to become spies. So what did you think of that whole Rose side story? And did you expect that she would already be dead? Or did you think that she would still be alive somewhere? The Rose story, I suspected from the beginning that she was... She was going to be dead. She was going to find a grave somewhere or something like that. I That whole slaughtering of the village, I didn't see coming as far as her being wrapped up in that. But I, I just had a feeling that it would just be just too easy of a story for a two Wizard of Oz for, for her to be able to just find her, you know, after all that time. And, and to tell you the truth, as things went on and we learned about Karis, we learned about Finn and we learned about, you know, the captain on Eve's side and we learned about Lily and Violet and all that stuff, adding a rose would have just complicated things. Too, too perfect. 
Yeah. And somebody, you know, somebody has somebody important has to die for the story to be. <laughs> I'm, 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 so, I'm sorry, that's just my theory. Someone important to the character has to die for it to really grab me. And Rose was just her her north star in this whole thing. And I think it's a better story because Rose is dead. Rose not writing to her after the war was already over. That's when I was like, she's dead. Mm-hmm. This this is fruitless mission, but yeah, and especially since Rose was pregnant too, I was like, oh geez, like we're gonna have all these like children. This is that's too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought maybe her baby might be alive. Maybe oh, that would have been interesting, but I don't know how she would even begin to find a baby. That's true. Especially if Rose was using a fake name, I guess you could you could figure out that maybe there was a baby, but then where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. There aren't records in the same way, or there's false records. Well, if we're going to rewrite this story, here's how I'd do it. <laughs> how I'd do it is the village doesn't get slaughtered. You know, Rose does hit that village. She is part of a spy network, like you were saying, thinking she was, and she got killed in the line of duty. The lady that's taking care of her baby... Kind of just waiting there for Charlie to show up and say, oh, this was your mom's friend, you know, and she's, how old would she be? She was like, I don't know, maybe four years old or something like that. Old enough to be able to tell a little story to in sweetness and say, you know, she'll take care of you now because she was your mommy's friend. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Approved. (laughs) I just have to say that I cannot be a spy I would not be able to pretend to be someone else. I would be laughing awkwardly all the time. I cannot keep a straight face. I would be so bad. I can't even lie. Like, I can't keep presence a secret. I, no, I would, (laughs) they would find me out and I'd be killed and thrown, like, no, no, I'd be done. I could be a spy up until they tortured me because if they at all threatened my teeth, I would break. <laughs> I'd be like, what do you want? You want the nuclear codes? You can have the nuclear codes. It's like, why your teeth? Because I had braces and like all this orthodontic stuff for nine years. Mm. Like surgeries and headgears. Forget about the fingers, the yeah. face, whatever. Yeah. Just not the teeth. Anything but the teeth. <laughs> well, in competition for the, the Wimp Award, if they just threaten to muss my hair, I, I'm, I'm out of it. You know, I couldn't do the smart thing myself. No. Plus, I would mix up the languages too much. <laughs> <laughs> They'd say something, I'd be like, ooh, you're going to have to say that in English. Just let me get out my dictionary real quick. <laughs> but that was interesting how he ultimately caught her, like, swearing when she got tortured. I would have broke way before then, like, slipped into the wrong thing. Or But she was so careful about it. So it was amazing that it was like, she finally broke. And that, you could just see, like, I felt like I was in that scene just seeing his face in the the recognition that oh shit like (laughs) i have been like i've had the wool over my eyes this whole time like this lady like that was the moment where you could tell he realized how deep he was in it that whole torture scene was just so well done (laughs) Mm -hmm. so would you guys read any of her other books have you read any of her other books i have not but i probably would i have not read any of her other books but i would need to go into a little bit of training if they're going to be in the same historical format. Because, I mean, I enjoy reading her books, don't get me wrong, but it takes something out of you to read 
a lot of those passages. You know, it does. But I did enjoy the experience overall. I think from my limited knowledge of her other books, they're all in different time periods. She has a new one that just came out recently called The Huntress. And I don't know anything about it. I just saw it. And so I thought it'd be kind of interesting. And, and even though I don't like historical fiction normally, I would be willing to read some of her other books. She's a I think she's a very good writer. Yeah, I like the way she turns the phrase. Two thumbs up. I think people who like historical fiction would like this, especially if they haven't read about World War One or post-World War II. I think people who like uh, strong female characters would enjoy this, who like realistic espionage would like this. I mean, even if, even if you are more of like a hardcore, I want the war part of the story, I think you would still like this because the World War One setting was very much entrenched inside of what was going on. It's a good introduction into the historical fiction world because it does focus so much on character development. Because I feel like part of my issue with a lot of war movies is that you don't get that character development. It's like action scene, action scene, action scene, a million characters, and you don't really get to know any of them that well. At least a lot of the ones that I've watched, I know there are some some better ones that have come out but I would I would recommend this book I would for me I would give it like a four out of five stars just because of how long it took me to really get into it I think on a five star rating I would give it four I'd go with five really I, I really liked it <laughs> I, I have so much trouble finding spy novels led by women which is part of why I wrote mine so this one I was like yes yes and I just I was so excited I even liked the full circle ending our next podcast will be about Daisy Jones and the Six. So make sure you listen to that one. Read the book. Prepare yourselves <laughs> so that you're ready to listen to the full spoiler discussion. And thank you both for joining me. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. Join us next month to see what we thought of another best-selling book with strong female main characters. The chat doesn't end here. Let us know your thoughts in the comment area or connect with us on social media. Enjoyed the show? Share the love. Give us a review, like, follow, and a share with your friends. Find more reviews, discussions, and articles related to publishing, writing, and editing on judgingmorethanjustthecover.com. Or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Give us a shout. Until next time, peace out.